Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary Fitzgerald. going to Pastor Gary. Okay, praise the Lord. Good morning, church. And um, it's good to see everyone this morning that's uh, come on to Zoom and for those that are on Facebook, I assume as well. And so it's a good morning to all. And hopefully, I think next week we'll be able to gather physically together. Well, at least I'm hoping that. And so God willing, we'll see what happens. But I want to minister this morning from God's word, something that has moved my heart over the course of the week. And as I sat down to prepare, even write this particular message, my heart was moved just with the, the overall aspect and revelation that is contained within the, the topic that we're going to consider this morning. And so it was uh, several years ago that... Um, I listened to the late Aaron Morgan, Iron Morgan, and as he was uh, teaching, he, he made emphasis of the phrase in Scripture, his name's sake, his namesake. And so as he touched upon it, he wasn't uh, teaching on it. He just touched upon it in a message, and he said how often this particular phrase appears in Scripture. And uh, he said that one would do well to study it and examine it and see context in scripture and so that kind of triggered back then that was over 10 years ago that triggered my my mind back then and I did begin to search the scriptures and examine some of these things and it is quite a revelation to see just how unique and significant so I want he does and so it is important for us this morning to understand his ways it is un- important for us to understand the whole his purposes. Why does God do what plans? And so this is quite significant. So um, as you begin to see this um, uh, in the word of God, it, your eyes become open to this reality. But also one of the things that I want to take note of as well, as you consider not just the scripture, but even when you look at church history, for example, and uh, you begin to see that over the years, the men that God has used. And one thing that I have noted as I've come to understand many things over the years is that God has used men uh, who were vastly different from each other, contemporary men that were vastly different, that had strong opposing Uh, personalities, strong opposing methods, strong opposing views on scripture. And yet you find that that, that I'm talking about, like uh, you see this, for example, with John Wesley, 
and um, I guess ho holding some differences in scripture, different personalities and ministries. And yet God uh, used each of them for his own glory and for his own purposes. So um, it's just one of those things, different doctrinal positions on certain things, not fundamental things, but certain things. And in some instances, men who were opposed to each other. Um, I, I, I can think of that in the modern age, for example, because I um, was born into a fellowship that, whose founder was a man by name by the name of Wayman Mitchell. And so everyone might be aware of what is termed as the Jesus and uh, all that bit, they began to um, dabble. One is Chuck Smith. Uh, both connection. Maybe it's Sean's. No? Okay. Sorry about this, Church. I'm just a little confused as to what's going no, you're on. You're okay, Gary. We hear you clearly. Uh, okay. Yep. All right. Well, I'll continue. Sorry about that, Church. Um, just as must be the recording that's having problems. Um, okay, so anyway, getting back to my point, what I was saying was um, that uh, here are these two particular men, and they both, one started the, what's known as the Potter's House Christian Fellowship, and the other one started what's known as Calvary Chapel. And uh, these movements over the last 50 years, 40, 50 years, were, were greatly fruitful, uh, and God worked through both of these men in mighty ways. But yet these two men were totally opposed to each other. And I've, I've looked at that over the years and I've considered these things and uh, totally two different personalities, totally two different methods, had some doctrinal differences. But yet you, you look at each one and you can't question the fact that God worked and used these vessels for his own purposes. And what the conclusion that I came to is this. God this does what he does for his own name's sake. It's not because of this particular individual or because of that particular individual. No man is perfect. And so uh, we're in, in all things, only God is. And so God uses vessels. God uses instruments. And at the end of the day, uh, he harnesses them for his own will and purposes. And many a times it's for this reason, for his name's sake. And so this is important to uh, understand when it comes to the kingdom of God. It's not about man. It's about God. It's not about man's sake. It's about God's sake. It's not about a church, uh, a church fellowship, a denomination. It's about God's purposes. It's about God himself. And so I want us to see this in Scripture this morning. I want to identify this in various aspects and so I want to consider it in three aspects primarily, and that is how it relates to us individually, how it relates to uh, the nation of Israel, and also how it relates to the church, because all three are incorporated into this. And so I want to start by looking at Psalm 23, uh, verse number 1 to 3, and we're going to look at the individual component of this aspect of his namesake, because God acts and works for his name's sake. And let's see it in the scripture. So read with me. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, The Lord 
is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Now, the reason why I'm using this particular scripture as uh, identifying with this first is one because it deals with the individual aspect. But what is interesting, here is David as he pens this particular psalm. As he begins to write, you can't help but he sees, he's noting the blessings that he individually has received from God. And so you notice the, uh, uh, these, these, the, these words, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Uh, he restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And so when you look at that, you just think, oh, well, it's all about me, I guess. But as much as we are part of this, as much as we are recipients of God's grace and his blessings, note what David emphasizes here when he says in verse 3, for his namesake. Okay? So we shift the focus off oneself. Yes, we personally receive, and I'm not taking away from that aspect whatsoever. I'm just broadening the, the, the perspective so that we see beyond ourselves and realize, as David does when he writes these words, that he does this for his name's sake. For his name's sake. See, what's in a name? Well, when it comes to God this morning, everything. Because we're talking about, when we talk about God and we talk about his name's sake, we're talking about God and his character, God and his attributes, God being God of God, uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're talking about his integrity. We're talking about God's reputation. We're talking about God's holiness and his glory. And so all of these aspects of God, of, of the attributes of God are all associated and contained within the name, the names of God as they are revealed in scripture. And so for his name's sake. And one of the things that we identify clearly in the Bible this morning is that we see that God acts to sanctify his name and prevent it from being disgraced among uh, the earth. And so this is a clear revelation of Scripture. Right throughout the Bible, we begin to see this. God acts many a times to sanctify his name and prevent it from being disgraced. And you know what the sad reality is? He has to intervene many a times in light of his own people who profane and dishonor his name. See, it's for his name's sake. That word sake in the Hebrew, it means on account of, in terms of, uh, it means as, a, as in motive. So in other words, God acts on a, and, and, and moves uh, on, on account of his own reputation. For my name's sake, it has to, the motive behind why God does what he does is to sanctify, to glorify, and to honor his name in the earth that is filled with sin and disobedience and wickedness and all the things that are going on around us. 
Men fail. Man is imperfect. But God is perfect this morning. He never fails. And so his will and his purposes will always stand. The Bible goes as far as to tell us that all, one day all the earth will be filled with his glory. That glory that was manifest in the creation, that glory that was manifest in the Garden of Eden where God dwelt with Adam and Eve, that glory which was diminished and lost as a result when sin entered the world. The Bible says that the glory of God will one day fill the earth. And this is found in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2. But you see, this is how significant this issue is. David, King David in the Old Testament, even he himself came to an understanding of this, of this reality. Obviously, we find it in this particular psalm that we just read, because there he makes note of it. And it's something that we can read and just overlook, but it's something that became of significance to David and he became acutely aware of. And this is something I believe that every Christian over there, uh, they, we get saved and we see things in such a broad general sense. But as we serve the Lord over the longevity of time, when things narrow in and we begin to see God and his purposes and we begin to realize so often God does what he does for his name's sake, not because of man but for his name's sake. In Psalm 25, you, we know that uh, is another psalm that's written by David. And here in this particular psalm, David is re, uh, pondering or reflecting upon his sins. And we know that David sinned greatly before the Lord. But if you look at verse number seven, you begin to see that David writes, and he says, do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Now notice there, he's talking about goodness and goodness. When he refers for goodness sake, there's only one who is good, Jesus said, and that is God. And that is why uh, when we refer to for goodness sake, there's only one person that is good. And that's a reference to God himself. But let's read on in verse number eight. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. So David here, in referencing to his great sin, he says, Lord, pardon my iniquity. Why? For my sake? No, David's moved beyond himself now. He realizes that in him dwells no good thing. He realizes the depravity of his own heart and his, and his life. And he, and he recognizes those aspects at the end of his life as well. But in verse 11, it says, he says, for your name's sake, O Lord. And so this is the perspective that we all must have for your namesake. It's about God. It's about God's grace. It's about God's attributes. It's about who he is, how wonderful, how glorious is God this morning. David will say again in Psalm 31 and uh, in verse number three, he says, for you are my rock and my fortress, therefore for your namesake. Lead me and guide me. 
You see, when we look, talk about the Christian life and we talk about uh, doing God's will and pursuing God and seeking him, you know, it's not just about, Lord, me, me, me. The, it's now, Lord, lead me and guide me. Why? For your namesake, because it's about your will. It's about your purposes. It's about your glory. And everything shifts. A different perspective grips us and in, in our understanding of why we do what we do. And so this, this, this understanding that David has, it has to be something that we ourselves come to understand and grasp, even to the, the degree of our salvation this morning and, and the atonement that God has made for sin through Jesus Christ and the cross. And again, let me read from Psalm 79, verse 9. The Bible says, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. And deliver us and provide atonement for our sins for your name's sake. You see, here's, here's Israel. Here's, uh, I think it's David here. And, he's, uh, and again, the understanding is it's not about me. It's not about just for my sake. Yes, I, 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 I re, I'm a recipient. But it's about your name's sake. It's about your glory. And again, let me read in Psalm 106, verse 6. I know there's a few scriptures here this morning, but I want to emphasize and highlight these truths, and it's best that we read them to understand them. In Psalm 106, verse 6, the scripture says, We have sinned with our fathers. This is Israel. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also and dried it up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. But look at verse 13. They soon forgot his works. So here is Israel. And God has brought them. He's bringing them out. He's brought them out of Egypt. Now they come to the Red Sea. And the scripture says in verse 8 that they, uh, that they did not. They rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. This is not. This is, they haven't even crossed it yet. And yet here they are already complaining, why have you brought us out of Egypt to kill us? And they're fearful because of the armies of Egypt that are coming towards them and they're closed in at the Red Sea. And rather than uh, 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 trust God for what they've already witnessed and seen, they complain. And so, but listen, God says, listen, I acted at the Red Sea, not for your sake, but for the scripture says, nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake and that he might make his mighty power known. And so, again, you begin to see these things. And this brings us from the individual perspective this morning. This brings us to the nation of Israel because Israel as a nation uh, they saw the mighty hand of God. We know that Israel coming out of Egypt is a picture of our salvation and all of those things. But you see, the nation of Israel, the scripture says, going back, it says they soon forgot his works. See, the history of Israel is one of failure this morning. 
The history of Israel is one of disobedience. The history of Israel is one of unbelief. And yet, when in light of that, when you read the Old Testament and you see these things over and over again, and you see the ups and the downs, the 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 good and the bad, and you see everything as it is is written for us, one of the things that you'll take note of is that God had made covenants with with and made various covenants in the Old Testament. And God had made promises and his purposes will and must stand. And though the children of Israel, uh, he had covenanted with Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob and, and also with David and, and, and the Davidic covenant and so forth, all these aspects weighed into why God did what he did. But they were all the motive behind them was for his name's sake. His anger was aroused against Israel many times for their disobedience. And he disciplined them and he executed judgment on them on many a times, eventually resulting in Israel being captive to Assyria and Judah being sent into captivity into Babylon and all of these things. But in spite of them, why did God do with Israel what he did? Why did he act in this way? What's his ultimate purpose? Listen to these scriptures. I want to give you an understanding this morning, and it's profound. In Isaiah chapter 48, in verse 9, why did God deal with Israel the way that he did? Well, listen, for Isaiah 48, verse 9, for my name's sake, I will defer my anger. So he deferred his anger on Israel in instances. From Why? For my name's sake. And it says, so again, verse 9, for my name's sake, I will defer my anger. And for my praise, I will restrain it from you so that I do not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he. I'm the first and I am also the last. You see, God is concerned not just with the nation and in light of everything that's going on, but this is now reflecting upon his name. And so he's saying that everything I'm acting, what I'm doing, why I do what I do is to do with my name for my own sake. He repeats it two times in verse 11, for my own sake, for my own sake, I'll do it. Because God will not give his glory to another. You see, God's, God's name and God's glory is, is, a, is attached to the nation of Israel. That's why those that had are adherents to replacement theology and say that Israel has no future, they don't understand they don't understand God, nor do they understand his purposes, because God's, God's integrity, God's name is associated with the promise and the covenant that he has made to Israel. And when you read the book of Ezekiel, this is made specifically clear. In the prophet Ezekiel chapter 36, you begin to see that God, through the prophet, is speaking about Israel's blessing that is to come, Israel's restoration that is still future because the nation itself now is still having rejected the Messiah, having been cut off, and all of these things, uh, they still without uh, faith and they are still without salvation. But God still has a plan and a purpose for that nation. Why? 
Let's read in Ezekiel 36, verse 16. Verse 16, we'll start reading from. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of men, when the house of Israel dwell in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for their idols with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his, out of his land. But I had concern. What did he have concern for? My holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Now look at verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is the prophecy that Ezekiel is delivering to the, to the nation. Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. So in other words, God's saying to the nation, I am going to be glorified in you as a people, in you as a nation. Why? Not because for their sake, they have profaned my name. They have dishonored my name. They have rebelled time and time again. They do not deserve to be saved in, in a sense. This is what uh, as a nation. But God says, listen, my name is attached, my holy name is attached to the promises and the covenant that I have made. And I will be glorified in you as a nation, the nation of Israel, because for the, my holy name's sake. I, when you begin to see that, you begin to realize it's not about just it's Israel. It's not about me individually. It's about God. It's about his glory his purposes, his plan. You see, this revelation is not something that is just um, uh, scarce in the Old Testament. Even the prophet Daniel understood well this aspect of his namesake. I want to read to you his prayer that he prayed in Daniel 9 and in verse 17. Let's see, he says, Now therefore... Our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplication before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Oh, what a prayer. Do not delay. The audacity that that that, that uh, Daniel is demonstrating to pray with such confidence. What gives him that confidence? Look at his next words. Do not delay for your own sake. 
my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. He understands this aspect that relates to the nation. And so he's invoking God and saying, Lord, it's about your name. It's for your sake. And therefore he comes to God with such boldness to call upon him in this manner. And really that's the understanding that we all must have this morning church. And I want to continue and focus now. We've just looked at previously, we looked at firstly at the individual. We've looked at Israel as a nation. And now I want to consider with you the church this morning, uh, which incorporates us as individuals, but the church is the body of Christ. Because again, it's all about his name. It's for his name's sake. When we talk about the coming of Christ, when we talk about God's redemptive plan, when we talk about salvation, it was all, it's all for his name's sake. Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yes, there is a human dimension that's attached to this, and I'm not doing away with that whatsoever. But I'm highlighting this morning the fact that everything that is results and revolves around the purposes of God is concerning his glory. And it's about his exaltation. It's about his power in all of these things. And we are individually recipients and we benefit, we benefit and are blessed, but all because of his, for his name's sake. Now, who is the church? Well, the Bible tells us that the church is the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. And so, again, who's at the centre of all of this, Christ. Christ is at the centre. And so when we talk about the church this morning, the church in the purposes and plan of God, it's all about for his name's sake, even the church, which Paul the Apostle tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, the church was a mystery. It was a mystery that was, was not revealed uh, in its entirety until the, the coming of the Lord and the, um, and the new covenant that came into being and I was ushered in. And as a result of that, Paul received a revelation and an understanding of the purposes of God and what became known as the church, the church of Jesus Christ. Those that have been called out, those that are part of the body, those that are the bride of Christ. Now, what is the whole purpose of the church? The whole purpose of the church is this, the glorification of Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so, again, you read verse 20 and you think, okay, the power that works in us. It's, it's quickly to think about me. But listen to verse 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's about the glorification of Christ. It's for his name's sake. It's all about him. And when you read the Bible and you see the promises of God and the purposes of God that relate to the church that relate and, and the epistles that are written that are, uh, uh, are jealously um, establishing New Testament doctrine and understanding, all of these things result in the fact that God is concerned about his name, his purpose, 
and in this case about Christ, because Christ will be glorified and he will be glorified in his saints. And all of this, he will have a bride and that bride will be without spot and without blemish, the Bible tells us. And so again, we're seeing all of these aspects that are revealed to us in the word of God. We see that for his name's sake, that he will be glorified in the church. God will be glorified in Israel. God will be glorified in the earth, in the millennium, when Jesus Christ returns to rule and reign. And so it's all of these aspects that are related to the purposes of God for his namesake. And this brings me to one last thought that I want to share with you this morning. And that is, it relates to the church. Because we look at the fact that Israel as a nation was disobedient. We look at the fact that Israel failed to bear testimony to the name, his holy name. They profaned it. They disgraced the name of the Lord. And really, when you look at Israel and those things were, that were written for our admonition as the church, you can't help but look at church history and begin to see on, on many occasions where we uh, as the church has even um, profaned the name of the Lord, where the church itself has been compromised, where the church itself has acted in a corrupt manner. And so church history and current events in the world now that we live in, this is a reality. You see, Israel was a poor testimony to the nations that were around them. And so often the church and the Christian can be a poor testimony to the world uh, that, that, uh, that we live in. And so we can't be ignorant of this. That's why the Bible says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. And, uh, and then it says, for if anyone loves the world, the love or love for the Father, the love of God is not in him. How can we love? We can't love the God and the world at the same time. And so we see this so often. The, the, the name of the Lord is profaned. Uh, profaned in, in, in the world around us through uh, God's people living compromised lives and bearing bad testimonies to the truth and not adhering to a life of, of righteousness and holiness of which David says he guides me in those paths for his name's sake. No, we're not living for his name's sake. We're living for our sake. And that ought not to be the case this morning. When we look at the church, we see the false teachings and the errors that are so saturated throughout the earth, uh, throughout the, the, yeah, the earth and the world around us. And we see false prophets, false teachings, uh, false anointings, you name it. The go, list goes on and on and on. And all of these things are prof profaning the name of God. In actual fact, I heard recently that um, one individual, uh, Steve Furtick, I think his name is, uh, he, uh, he was uh, speaking and he, he made the, the, the proclamation that he said these words, I am God Almighty. I mean, what man, what man of God in his right mind would even utter such profanity? And I'm surprised that he's not fallen dead on his face for speaking such words. Because this is what how the name of the Lord is profaned through such false teachers, false prophets and false anointings that are going on in the world around us. And so what we need is we, too, as the church in the day in which we live for his name's sake, Lord, move, glorify your name. Let's think of it even personally. It's all good to talk about it generally externally. But what about us? What about our own lives as we reflect this morning? 
Have, have I lived and conducted myself in a manner that gives glory to God? Have I, is there sin in my life that is, is, is not honoring God? And these are things that we need to consider because so too should our lives be reflecting and the motivation for our life must be for his name's sake. You know, the prophet Habakkuk, he prayed a prayer and he said these words, Lord, uh, in he said, revive us, Lord, in the midst of the years. In wrath, remember mercy. And so, you know, revive us. People talk about revival this morning in the church. And historically, we've seen many revivals where God has moved powerfully in church history. But, you know, the word revive comes from the word to bring back to life. You know, revival is about reviving a church that's dead, a church that's waning, a church that is, 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 is compromised. And so revival is God coming down in the air and moving amongst his church and his people to revive his work. Why? Because for his name's sake, not because of a man, not because of, uh, of a, a church or a denomination, but all for his name's sake. You know, there was, I found this statement. I can't remember who it was from. I don't have it noted, but I have, I have it written. And one man said, we, we want revival to improve our reputation, vindicate our theology, add to our denomination, or to just encourage or excite us. In other words, we want revival for our sake, not his God brings revival not for the enjoyment of his people, but for the glory of his name. And he will not share that glory with men. You see, that's what revival is. Revival is God coming amongst his people, regenerating and reviving a, uh, his people, bringing them back to life and having mercy on them in the, in, because of our own disobedience and because of our own sins. And why does God act in this way? It's not for my sake. It's not for the church's sake. It's for his name's sake. That's the revelation of Scripture this morning. I look at the Welsh revival and, and all that surrounds that and the, the, the men that God used by a man named Evan Roberts. And yet, if you know the story of Evan Roberts, he didn't remain in the spotlight very long. In actual fact, he, uh, he, was, uh, um, he, he had to refrain and, and step back and he became a recluse for various reasons. And the, and the, the move of God went on. But the, it's all because of his namesake. It's not a man. It's not a denomination. It's not a person. It's all about his name. And so as I conclude, I want to highlight just three aspects because John the Apostle, he wrote in three instances. And one of those he's writing as, uh, as a pen for the Lord Jesus Christ. But in three instances, he makes reference to this understanding. And I just want to read them to highlight them to us this morning as we conclude. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. John writes and he says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. His sins are forgiven. He doesn't write, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for your sake. He says that your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And that's an understanding that we must have when it comes to the gospel and our own sins this morning. In 3 John, the little letter, 3 John, in verse 7, 
John writes again and he says, because they went forth, he's referring to those that have gone forth to preach the gospel. He says, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. And so here it is. This is the missionary spirit. This is the spirit behind evangelism. This is the spirit as behind the great commandment to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. Why? For his name's sake. It's about God. It's about God receiving his glory, God receiving the bride to himself. It's not about us. We're just laborers. We're just unprofitable servants. We're just doing what's our duty to do. It's all for his name's sake. And John understood this. And we too must understand this truth this morning. And one last scripture I want to close with in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus. And he says these words, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you found them liars and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So here's Jesus commending the church in Ephesus. And he makes note of the fact that in light of the, these, these things that he's spoken of, that they have labored for my name's sake and they have not become weary. Now, that is good. But then he says, but I, the next verse, he says, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. And so it's important that in our zeal for God, in our zeal for his glory, in our zeal to protect and, and saying, uh, protect his name from all the profanities that are going on in the world around us. And there are many. Let us never lose sight of that which is most fundamentally important. Do not leave your first love. Remember your first love. In other words, as David said at the beginning of the psalm, stay close to the shepherd of your soul this morning because Jesus is the one who causes me to lie down in green pastures. The rest, he causes me to be still uh, by the waters. He's the one that leads me by still waters. He's the one that restores my soul. And it's as I stay close to Jesus, as I'm in fellowship with the Lord, as I uh, are keeping close to my first love, all of these things come forth. And my motivation uh, is for his name's sake. And everything that I do is for his glory. And I'm not neglecting the most important thing this morning, which is your first love, staying close to Jesus. And so, in light of all the things that I've shared this morning, I pray that your understanding would be open to this reality as it concerns us as individuals, as it concerns Israel as a nation, and as it concerns the church and God's purposes. But remember, it's all about his name and God acts for his name's sake. Praises be unto the Lord this morning. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word this morning. God, I just thank you that you have spoken, that you have revealed such glorious truth. And so our eyes, Lord, are to be open to it. Our lives are to be aligned to it, God. And, Lord, I pray for us as, as the church, as individuals, Lord, that we would not leave our first love, that we would not be 
turned aside to that which just um you know relates for our own sake but lord let us realize that everything lord is about your for your sake it's for your purpose it's for your glory and so god be blessed lord bless your people and those that have heard the word this morning in jesus name amen god bless you church